0: Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. This is the most people we've ever had in the studio for a Blaine and Mickey show, and none of them are Blaine. This is really <laughs> this is really strange. Uh, one o'clock on Friday, so Buck Rising is going to join us next. He's in here wearing a raincoat in case the weather gets inclement in the studio.
1: It was raining when we went to practice today. What do you want from me? Nothing. I want you to just keep being yourself. Well, I haven't, I haven't worked at all today. I feel like uh, Lucas and Will have <laughs> basically been me all week long. Um, that's so, good yeah. work if you can get it. So I, I just yeah, felt, it's felt, <laughs> good non-work if you can get I it. I felt like I should just like physically sit in the studio longer, like to, you know tracking Kyler Murray how much time he spends on his iPad. I'm sure they got something hooked up to me to physically see how long I've been in the studio. I today. think
0: what's hooked up to you to physically see how much you can consume or, or is this, this giant box of donuts uh, that's in the studio. It's ironic that you don't usually come in the studio. It's like oh, there's Mark with donuts. It's interesting. I would no,
1: <laughs> no. Look, I'm not the person coincidence. It was a coincidence today. <laughs> I walked in, there's a giant open box of donuts in front of me, and I won't lie to you. I, they're 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 little ones. I had I had one or two. Uh, I think you
0: mispronounced six. Uh Lucas Panzica <laughs> is here. <laughs> Alex Apple is filling in for the hitman, and he is here. Brett Bachelor and CJ are both in the control room again. If you Rats need across
2: to, the hall, we could have
0: we could vote on anything. This has to be like a quorum of station employees that we have here. So if there's any station business we need to get done, we could go ahead and knock that out. Chigo Conco is set to join us here. I, I don't any know. Any second? Like 28 seconds? So we'll see if he calls in on time. He had another good practice today. Rhett Brian used the great training camp phrase "stacking practices" in the hallway out here. Our, our illustrious Rhett Brian, we need to just drag him in here too and have a, a what seventh person? Might in. as well um, stacking practices. Uh, Chigo Conquo, so the rookie tight end continues to uh, to to fit nicely into this offense and um, is showing the ability, not just the speed that, like, oh gosh, this guy's four five two at the combine fast. He's shown the ability to get in and out of breaks. A little more and, nuance and, to his game. Yes, and shown some nuance with his route. So, our own Buck Rising, who again will join us in the next segment, tweeted about, I noticed this today, the Titans uh, stock is going up on third down options. There are a lot of people who can catch those passes.
2: And the knock on Chig coming into training camp, Buck, I don't know if you have a good measure on this, was that uh, hands, okay. You know, if you read his draft pro- profile, that's what it says short arms, hands, okay. To my knowledge, I haven't seen any egregious drops from him. He's looked the part
1: in that respect. I mean, I watched him in Maryland. I didn't, I didn't really like, I think early when he first got to campus, I think that was a thing. But no, I think, I mean, I feel I feel good about all their options. Mickey, I'm sure you saw the, the, the situational football drills that they were running today mm-hmm. third and five, third and six, third and seven. You've got Robert Woods who converts. You've got Traylon Burks who runs an outbreaking route, makes a nice catch with Caleb Farley in coverage, converts Chig and Hooper. Getting involved, they they have if they're going to continue to run the ball on first and second down and put themselves in these positions, then at least now they have adequate weaponry to be able to convert if they're going to be in third and six plus as much as any team in the league last year. But of course, you know that relies on protection.
2: Uh, Maybe it's revisionist history in my mind, or I just had it wrong. I looked up their third down conversion rate last year was forty two percent, which was eleventh in the league. I mean, maybe it is just the games felt different. That It did not feel that they were that successful last year on that. Mickey. So that surprised me today. I was fully expecting to look that up and get a more pessimistic number.
0: And see something in the 30s, maybe. Or
2: something not in the top 11. Okay. Not in the top 20. Oh, I mean,
1: I can't, Mickey, I don't know how you felt about this, but I've been talking about that all year. Their offense wasn't bad. It just wasn't good, and wasn't fun to watch. We had a long discussion about this yesterday. And again, we're,
0: Chig O'Conquo, uh, should, should be on with us any time. I know we're excited to hear from him. I think he's going to be under a time crunch. So this maybe Here like we go. I through. see the phone ringing. Uh, so we'll get with Chig soon. Then we can pick this subject up on the other side of uh, the buck rising, but I can see the hotline ringing and I think he's got to be off what Lucas around 10 after with us or something like that's got a meeting. So Chig Conquo. Uh, We got him. He's good to go. The Titans rookie tight end from Maryland joins us now. Chig, how in the world are you doing, man? Uh, Three practices in the book with the full squad. How are you feeling?
3: I feel great. I'm loving it. Everything's going well so far.
0: We uh, we were having a discussion about you in the hallway today, and one of the great cliches of training camp is used about you. He's stacking practices. That's a super good thing, though, when people say that. You are doing that, man.
3: Yeah, man, just, just you know, a one-day-at-a-time mentality is what we take here, so it's just, you know, keep going one day at a time. Don't look too far in the future. Just keep stacking days.
0: All right, I have to ask you about this, and I thought, okay, I'll ask you, maybe I'll ask him early, maybe I'll ask him late. When you were at Maryland, 52 receptions as a senior, the only tight end at Maryland who ever had more catches than that in a season, do you know who that is? Frank
3: Wychek. Yeah
0: man, Frank <laughs> Wychek. I mean what about the history of you and Mr. Frank Wychek and now you get a chance to follow in his footsteps here?
3: Yeah, that's cool. That's, that's really cool. It's funny, you know, you know, always seeing his name up in our our room. And, you know, not knowing, like, oh, yeah, who's Frank Wycheck, And then all that happened. And now, you know, I'm here with the Titans just like he was. So, yeah, it's really cool to be able to, you know, go down that same path. It's kind of funny and ironic,
0: yeah. And, well, uh, I'm sure Titans fans are all hoping that you can uh, have that same career as a tight end out of Maryland because Frank sure was an all-time great here. Chig Okonkwo, Titans rookie tight end, joining Alex Apple and me here on Blaine & Mickey.
2: Hey, Chig. I'm curious. Uh, anything so far in training camp that you've been asked to do more with the Titans, or in a different way than you were at Maryland? I know between you, going from a college system to a pro system uh, can engender quite a bit of change. Anything stand out for you so far?
3: Um, not really. You know, I'm just moving around to every single spot, like just like I did, you know, in Maryland. So I feel like Maryland prepared me very well, you know, because like I'm a versatile player. So going all over the field and doing the same thing. So. It's very, it's very nice to be able to do those same things here.
2: What do you think will take you more time to get used to, uh, speed-wise at the pro level, the the route running or the blocking element?
3: Um, I'll say I've always, you know, natural, naturally been a route runner like my entire life. So I'll say probably the blocking. You know, with you know a lot of you know these are grown men now, so it's a lot bigger bodies, a lot faster. So that'll probably take me uh, more so than the routes. But everything's been going, you know, pretty well so far.
2: And then I got to ask you too, because your family is Nigerian, correct? That's that's your your heritage. Yep. Mm-hmm. I've had authentic Nigerian food twice in my life. Now it's different. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. I'm a big cassava guy.
0: Um, yeah, fufu, uh, yeah. and
2: I, I forget what the other one was called. It was more Ooh, of like yeah, a fried okay. cassava. Um, yeah, is 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 that cooked often uh, in your family?
3: Yeah, man, fufu is cooked all the time, bro. And I probably ate that like. Two or three times a week, man, tofu and rice. <laughs> is
2: there a Nigerian dish really you would is. recommend?
3: Oh, for sure, jollof rice. Okay, good. I'm going that like, like to put that on my knee to That's our main staple, jollof rice.
0: Chigo Konkwa, our guest. Uh, so is there some place in Nashville where we can get this uh, delicacy that you're discussing with us here? You got any options for that here?
3: I actually don't know. I actually have not looked into that yet. That's actually something that I'm, I'm going to look into now. As you I, just said, that. I had it in
2: Dallas. There was an ni- authentic Nigerian place. Uh, it was really good.
0: Well, we can't send him I, to Dallas. Him I mean, he's, hey, we got to well, find him a spot him here. A have cowboys. him open one. <laughs>
2: I, I'll refer you to it. But um, I love that cuisine.
0: All right, Chick. Yeah, I got to hey, ask you look this. Look Anytime people see Nashville on TV, they think we all have on cowboy hats and boots and things like that, and everybody lives out on a farm. What have your observed what did, well, hey what did you think about Nashville before you got here and now that you are here what are your observations of the city
3: before I got here I was I just thought man country music cowboy boots cowboy hats and then when I got here I realized that you know most people that I've been interacting with are actually like all in the same boat as me like they're actually not from Nashville so <laughs> yes but, <laughs> yeah um, that is and so yeah That's but like if you go downtown like you'll see that you'll see that um cowboy hats cabin boots and there were party buses everywhere so that was a very interesting thing when i first got here i didn't know it was going to be like that i didn't know how big of a party city that nashville was i didn't think it was that deep in partying but yeah that was a really fun and cool aspect that i saw when i went downtown
0: was there anything that you thought okay or, or once even that you got here and you'd been here a couple of days is there like a restaurant where you think i have got to go there or a place or a club or just something where you're thinking i cannot wait to check out this part of nashville
3: for me, yeah, it was that downtown area because I, I, that's what everybody told me that it was like it was gonna be popping. So as soon as I got here, I, I literally went down. I think the first place I ate was uh, called Distillery. Yeah, yeah. I went down down there. I ate at the Distillery and that was really good. You know, me and uh, Kyle Phillips went down there together and ate. So yeah, that was the number one thing I did when I first got here.
2: Whose advice in the locker room would you take most if if you had to get recommendations on where to go?
3: Uh probably jeff swain okay wow i wouldn't have guessed that very very intelligent dude so i would i would definitely respect his opinion on anything
0: now how much is he helping you not just on you know life choices and where to go but you know how to run routes and you know block and all those kind of things
3: oh dude he's literally helping me with everything like it's so it's it's so nice to have him over there like because he's so smart he explains everything down to down to like the most little detail and he just teaches me how to play faster. He's like, you need to look at these things. These things can help you play quicker so you don't have to even think about, you know, what anybody's saying on the field. You can just look at it yourself because he's very smart. And, yeah, he's been helping me a ton, especially in the run game.
2: Everyone always talks about just different level, different speed of the game. Sometimes it's faster than guys thought. Sometimes it's, you know, seems a little slower to him. It comes to him quickly. Uh, where are you on that spectrum?
3: Yeah, it's, you know, we went through the whole spring. So now it's like everything feels normal now. It's just more so you know on the back end kind of stuff you have to you have to think more you, you can't just like run your route you have to actually like think when you're running your route like oh this the picture might change Because, they you know they do I'll do a lot of disguises and stuff so that's one thing that's new
0: all right I know you only got like 30 more seconds because you got a meeting but I went to rookie mini camp and we all knew you were fast you were four or five two at the combine and then I, and I saw how big you were And somebody asked me to describe you I said like the bottoms of your legs are the, the size of the tops of other people's legs like if your legs are like that, chick, like w- where do you buy jeans? Like I can go to you know Old Navy. Where, where does where do you buy jeans? Dude,
3: that's literally the funniest thing that you said. like said cause, like I literally can't I can't buy jeans. Like I, I can never I can't buy jeans online. Like I have to be able to go in the store and try them on. Because there's so many times I bought stuff online. I'm just like bro, I can't even get this past my thighs. Like, <laughs> I literally have to be, I literally have to wear, like go to stores and try them on every time.
0: Because I said, okay, here's Chick. The bottom of his legs are like the tops of other people's legs, and then the tops of his legs are like waists for people. So I just didn't figure you could walk in and pull something off the rack and have much luck. Yeah, no way. (laughs) Hey, man, we know you got a meeting. I know you were just squeezing us in. Look, uh, we're enjoying watching what you're doing, and and you look great so far and uh, just continued success. And uh, hopefully we can get you in and talk a little bit longer, and by that time you'll have found yourself some uh, good restaurants around here.
3: Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. We appreciate it.
0: Chico Conquo. Yeah, that's the first thing. That's I, question of the week right there, Mickey. Because I got two kids, and it's like a big thing you always worry about is where are we going to buy their clothes? Like what What do they like and what fits yeah. them? And my son only wears like things made out of sport material, and then my daughter wants things that only look like somebody else has worn them for seven years. or yeah.
2: I'm an odd shape. My arms are too long, so I can't buy any shirts.
0: Yeah, well, out off the rack. Okay, see everybody's First world
2: problems here, baby. First
0: world problems, but uh yeah, he sounded troubled by that. Like you have no oh, idea. Y-
2: yeah, you hit, you I hit, hit got one to go there. Th- he knows. So. <laughs> I mean, he's you are th- sympathizing
0: with him. Well, again, I don't have that problem. Uh, there's no problems, but you know, n- n- no jeans being too small for me. So, uh, uh all right, here's what we'll do. Buck Rising is set to join us next. uh Fun catching up with Chigo Conquo. He had a really good day today. Now we'll get into a full practice report. They were in the bubble. The bubble turf, the dirt in the turf now isn't ground-up tires and tennis balls anymore. It's coconut, coconut husks, So it doesn't smell like you're in a Bridgestone Firestone outlet in there anymore. It kind of smells, I don't know, like what. We'll ask Buck Rising what it smells like, and we'll ask his observations through three days of practice. We'll also ask him where does he buy his jeans. We'll do all that next. Lady Mickey searching
2: hvac near here right here ma'am how can we help wow nobody local
0: huh wait what we are an hvac company literally in your neighborhood why is she not seeing
1: us
3: just all the big chains well it is what it is
1: what in the can you not see See us? us nope they can't see you because you're buried deep in the list of local hvac providers you are invisible online introducing cumulus boost get a boost get found get on the map learn more at cumulusboost.com uh, alex apple hanging
0: out on a friday for the hitman hitman will be back next week so if you see him in the street tell him mickey from uh, harrisburg said hey
2: was that and we're back uh bud adams no oh, like no no we're gonna no, get red in here and no, do the, bud adams. It's the best i've heard
0: fallon uh yes Rhett has spent all of training camp in character he's perfected as- that thing as ks but every two words
2: breath you can only get two words out before you got to take another big breath in Improv- buck
0: what would you learn about chika conquo uh, other than where he buys his pants he just joined us off the top
1: i well, i mean i learned what you did today i thought chick was great at practice today. <laughs> you know, i don't I don't want to you know uh, get into repeats but yeah i mean Talk about third down options uh, that they have and how they can kind of get back to running a, running a more sustainable offensive game plan. They they ran more 11 personnel, three wide receiver sets last year than they had at any point since Matt LaFleur was here. And, you know, they, because of roster attrition, injuries across the board, and you're having to figure out how to make things work with certain kinds of personnel on any given week. And, and that's football anyway, but without competency. I mean just baseline competency at the tight end position. No, I mean it's I don't think that's unfair. No, I think no, that's called especially for how 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 regularly the tight ends were not involved in third down passing situations because they had to be kept in to block to help either Lawan, which is a problem, or Questenberry. And it was a substantial amount of time. The amount Lucas and I talked about this, the amount of chips that the running backs and tight ends were asked to do, and a lot of it to the left side. That's not something that this offense that's going to be sustainable, especially if you're going to run the ball as frequently on early downs as they like to do. Buck Rising,
0: our guest, uh, and his own show, Buck Rising Show, and A to Z Sports not in the today. Install with Greg Cosell. He is brought to you by Two Rivers Ford, home of the non-commissioned sales of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Chaker Conquo, you tweeted this earlier. You mentioned third down options. Uh, there was a, like a real nice, super hot, just blink of an eye throw to Robert Woods today. And got four or five yards. There was one to uh, Austin Hooper, who I've predicted is going to catch 65, seven yard passes this year, although I've amended that to 65, six yard passes. Okay. But he caught one of those
1: today. So, 65 six-yard passes. Yeah. Um. So, he's the new Jason Witten, is what you're alleging. Like, just the little button hook, the unstop, the undefeated button hook Undefe- until the end of time?
0: Because, oh, 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 man, you just brought up a great thing. Mm-hmm. A lot of teams have a player and a play that that's what they call when the poo hits the fan. That, the only thing they've had down here for that, for how many years, is hand the ball to 22. Yeah.
1: Like, that's it. That was their whole, that was their whole whole first half of the season strategy. I don't know what else is going to work. Give the ball to Derek.
0: Remember us all sitting in the press box one day and they were down two scores in the third quarter and we just went right back to handing it to him. We were like, well, this what an interesting hurry up offense. offense. You know, what an interesting, like, come-from-behind-offense. We just keep handing it to 22, oh, Yeah, he hits a big one. Yeah, but they've been
1: that. Like, that's yeah. been, that's that's been that's been a frustration. I, I remember sitting next to some Chiefs reporters during that Kansas City game back in 19, and, like, the two-minute offense was Derek. And, and, <laughs> and they were like, the Chief, what The Kansas this? City reporters are looking around like, what are they doing? And I'm like, I mean, listen, it, it works more often than not. I guess we'll see. And then, you know, ideally you wouldn't need Rashawn Evans Scoop and score, or uh, <laughs> Josh Kalu blocking a field goal to get keep recent, them from going to overtime. Recently returned Josh Kalu. Yeah, he looks so much better in twenty eight than he did in forty six. Forty six was horrendous. So <laughs> I'm glad that he that he had to go away for a season so he could come back and get a better number. But um, they are it's such a it's probably the biggest question of their season. How does the offense rebound? And then when you start to do you know like in radio topic trees, right? When you start to branch off at what makes the offense go and what pieces are going to be required to make the offense go, well, how do they evolve, first and foremost? Because the easiest down to throw is first down. And they do that less than anybody in the sport. Anybody. Anybody at all. They like to run the ball on first down. They like to run the ball on second down. They need to find ways, and that'll be a part of Tim Kelly's job, who by the way, spends a tremendous amount of time with the tight ends. I don't know if you noticed that or not, Mickey, but he is over there Yep. basically the entire practice which I find interesting. The passing game coordinator who will see what additional ideas he can give them to help them be a more efficient, more modernized version of the offense that they currently are.
2: To modernize and be efficient, your debate on your show a couple days ago now, I thought was really interesting about this, requires them to Maybe it's tempo. It's getting Ryan Tannehill in a rhythm. Have you seen anything these first four days that makes you think they're figuring out how to do that better?
1: Well, I th- I think that this is not necessarily the best time to apply that because I I think we are seeing it. Yes, we're seeing it, but it's not it's not specific. We're seeing a lot of stuff right now because it's training camp. Right, they're not game planning. They're just they're running that. Now I haven't seen tempo. Not in the team sessions. I haven't seen tempo yet, but we're three days in. So early, sure. yeah. So i i think I think it's something to continue to monitor. But I, I think for people listening, there's only so much that's applicable to the season in the first week of training camp.
2: But when I think there's a misconception sometimes with folks listening that tempo doesn't necessarily just mean snapping the ball more quickly right that's not the only thing you get from that so when you say that tempo would help this offense explain again what you mean by that
1: so i mean that for ryan Tannehill to be able to operate at a more comfortable level you give him a package of plays that allows him to yes snap the ball without huddling but basically just to get into a rhythm open or empty sets rather quick passes just first read hit it and go Keep the keep the momentum go almost you know to an extent like the Tennessee Volunteers offense right where without except without running the risk of as often a, or of a three and out occurring as often as it does for the Vols in a college game you want to be able to give the quarterback the thing that all quarterbacks require or at least the vast majority of them is a rhythm a sense of okay a flow basically I know that I'm going to be able to go to. X here on first and 10. We're going to come right over here on second and four. We're going to convert. So we stay at a third down and keep it moving. Stay ahead of the change. Ideally, you want to play as few third downs as humanly possible. Converting third downs is nice, but for an offense like this that plays so often behind the downs, you want to try and avoid that as much as humanly possible. That's the kind of stuff that I reference or what that I mean when I reference something like tempo.
2: Yeah, Mick. We we got into this debate yesterday and talked about the 2019 was Ryan Tannehill's most efficient season. It was his first of the with the Titans his, those ten games or whatever that was in regular season, mm-hmm. throwing to a cast of characters that there was nothing to write home about that group. It was Corey Davis. It was a rookie AJ Brown, Adam Humphreys. The what what did you say? It was? Dion Lewis, Tajay Sharp, top, pass catcher caught fifty two passes.
0: Mm-hmm. Right, AJ.
2: But it seems like reading between the lines, they have signed Kyle Phillips, Chig. Austin Hooper, even Traylon Burks, who 44% of the routes that he ran at Arkansas were slant flats or screens that do most of their work within five yards of the line of scrimmage. And it's you a get good stat, by the way. And that's I read that on Reception Perception. Shout out to that guy that puts those things together. 44% within three yards of the line of scrimmage, five yards of the line of scrimmage. It sure seems like that is a targeted approach to, I, I don't know if that means changing your offense, but to being better at having the short passing game being an extension of your running,
1: it's well, it's Brady, it's New England Brady, right? It's, oh, death by eight thousand paper cuts. Yeah, but move the ball. Continue to move the ball. Sure, I, we'd all take that victory by attrition, basically. Oh. Except your attrition is the running back ages, and you start. You know how now they've never expressed at any given point that they have uh, that they are at all willing to back off Derrick Henry's uh, carries or attempts in a game. So that would require. That would require some kind of self reflection and be like, okay, we can't give him the ball, or he can't touch the ball 29 <laughs> times as he was. I mean, that's a, that, that's a straight That's a straight up average. He was averaging 29 to 10, like touches. He was on per pace game. for 465 carries. It's
0: disgusting. Yeah, 465. It's disgusting.
2: Somebody put in the chat the other day that you didn't like Derrick Henry for suggesting that was a bit high. That was my favorite <laughs> contribution of the week.
1: I, there's always going to be somebody. <laughs> and to that person, I say, I award you no points, and my God have mercy on your soul. <laughs> Buck rising,
0: awarding no points uh, as he joins us here on Blaine & Mickey. Do you think Ryan Tannehill is ready to go back to that 2019-2020 Tannehill? Sure, if Todd
1: Downing puts him in a position to do so. With the help of? Uh, well, Derek being primarily the help, but I'm I think... thinking of Mr. Kelly. Oh, the help of Tim Kelly, yeah. yeah I, I... I think that I think that Ryan Tannehill is going to Ryan Tannehill is going to be de- deemed success or failure as the offense goes. Like it's it's as much about the collection as it is about the individual. It's like criticizing Shane Bowen after twenty twenty, rightfully so, or criticizing Todd Downing after twenty twenty one. Like that's the easiest face to put on it. Ryan Tannehill, what's wrong with the offense? Oh, that guy, that bleeping guy, three interceptions in a playoff game. That guy stinks. When it's so much more than that, and when a lot of the issues that they were having, Todd Downing, personnel restrictions, a legitimate excuse, but we all knew what was going to happen every time. It's not like 2019 where, yeah, the whole league knows what you're going to do, but you can't stop it. Like, that was the difference. The explosive plays, how Todd Downing figures out how to put the playmakers in space, Woods, Burks, Chig, Hooper. Henry even. If you got to throw him more, more flare passes out to the side, just get Derek in space. Don't run him in I-formation into the defense time after time after time for him to get stuffed or stopped at the line of scrimmage more than any other player in the sport last year. Get him in space. That's Todd Downing's charge this year. That question that you just brought, Mickey, in, opens
2: the way to an, an interesting discussion, though, because what else was different from 2019? If you are asking, is he going to be 2019 Tannehill? Well, the big thing that they had going for him down the stretch and. 2019 was nobody stops Derrick Henry last year is in the playoffs. Maybe you give him a little bit of a break last year, given the injury, they were not that effective running the ball. No. It did not generate enough points. They've scored in the teens. They've yet to hit 20. I wrote an so article what was about the biggest difference though, Buck? that maybe you wrote about it in your article. What is the biggest difference between what made that running game successful then that they've not been able to duplicate because you would Put money on it in Vegas that if that running game is more successful, your quarterback will be too.
1: Let me pull out the Bible real quick because I got the answer in here. The Football Outsiders football almanac ahead of the season. Now, Football Outsiders makes a lot of people in the city cringe a little bit but not when i open up to the page about the tennessee titans and their offensive line specifically because that's you know the root of all evil or good at this point I feel like we should have some, <laughs> some ominous music
0: playing at this yeah, point when i when i pull out the bible or well, the football you, bible when you mention the o-line and football outsiders
1: i feel like there needs to be something to accompany this. some
2: story time music at
1: least. the titans had one of the league's highest blown block rates resulting in increased pressure on Ryan Tannehill and diminished run blocking returns. They were missing assignments. They weren't finishing the blocks the way that you would like for them to do. What made the 2019 run so successful? Here we go. Now you choose to be good <laughs> with, the, with the audio? Lucas had to run in uh, there and, and, and
0: drop his lamb kebab or whatever made. he was no, eating. over no, here to do this. <laughs> okay. Okay.
1: That was not fair of me to take a shot at Brett. I couldn't see behind me. I didn't okay. know Lucas was back there yet. <laughs> All right, let's hear it. I'm locked in on the highest block,
2: block pace. Mr. Simons run game.
1: Those pressures turned into sacks at one of the highest rates in the league and also rendered Derrick Henry and that rushing attack far less efficient than it had been in the previous two seasons. Run left, right? That was the whole thing. Run left, Lawan Saffold. Run left was a hell of a lot less efficient. It's really loud. It's really loud, the music. All right, thank you. But Nate Davis... Roger Saffold, Taylor Lewan, the three best Titans offensive linemen, all had the most consistent struggles across the board throughout the season. Taylor, we know the issues. Roger, can inconsistent health. And Nate, COVID to start the year. And then two different stints with concussions that disrupted the ability of the offensive line. the The blown block rate. The highest in the league. That's the thing that you have to watch for the Tennessee Titans. That's when, why, when Mike Vrabel talks about fundamentals and technique and all these different things, they know this as much as we do. I, I, I don't have. I've cited this probably way too many times, but it's the best example of, uh, that I have. Pittsburgh, first play of the game, seventy-yard touchdown pass in all likelihood to Julio Jones. Except Aaron Brewer and Dontrell Hilliard, they blow the protection, nine-yard sack. Instead of a seventy-yard touchdown to Julio, which would have been at that point his first of the season.
0: Yeah. Well, do that you lays it out. we I, we can't say who's been at left guard and right tackle, can we? I, I don't think we can. Has it been said publicly? Yeah.
1: I I've mean, not we've been talked there, about. So it.
0: I
2: can tell you what he's been asked.
0: Yeah. Well, we've we've, Radins and Brewer. Yeah.
1: Okay. We can we can say that. Okay.
0: Um, do you do you feel like they can help? fix this BBR, the blown block race, along with a COVID and concussion free Nate Davis, who looks really good, like physically looks great. He does or, look good. Lawan, who's now further in the rear view mirror of the knee injury and, you know, an, an Aaron Brewer who knows he's the starter
1: every week, if that's the case or what C- can this crew clean that up? So it's funny. Cause they cite in, in football outsiders, they cite Dylan Raiden specifically filled in some gu- summit guard and got one start at left tackle. Now, if I told you Dylan Raiden's one start at left tackle against the San Francisco 49ers, Joey Bosa switched sides, all these different things, right? All these different conversations we were having. Would you say that Dylan Raiden's played well against San Francisco? The narrative has certainly been that he did. I have a feeling you're about to tell us he did. Dylan Raiden's in week 16 did not go particularly well. Four blown blocks and a sack allowed a false start against San Francisco. They gave him all kinds of help, mm-hmm. all kinds of help that made that performance look substantially better then it went. Brewer is my Questenberry this year. Brewer is the guy I'm looking at Me like, I really wish they could do something better at that spot, but that's the options that they've left themselves, so that's probably the best thing that they got going. Respectfully to both David Questionberry and Aaron Brewer, because both did well to earn their opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um But at a certain point, Mike's used that line about, don't want to rely on talent, all well and good. Talent. But where you are clearly and obviously talent deficient, as all football teams have some kind of position that that has that. With Ryan Tannehill being in the spot that he is, and frankly, just the longevity of Derrick Henry, the offensive line is not a place where you can afford to skimp. And I think that's my biggest skepticism about Aaron Brewer right now.
2: Brewer played 508 snaps last year. That's the 70th most amongst offensive linemen. But he gave up six sacks, which would be the sixth most.
1: A a rather disappointing 3.6% blown block rate. So on 3.6% of his snaps at guard last year, he's missing it.
2: And I think Brewer is important, and I know Ramon Foster, I listened to him this morning, said he thinks that is the seminal position to watch for him in training camp. I don't disagree with that because you've got to find something serviceable there. But I would also posit that without a really strong season from Nate Davis and Taylor Lewan, it doesn't really matter how good Aaron Brewer is because your issues are way more vast than just who's playing at that left guard spot. Agree or disagree with that?
1: Uh, you're the guest, Buck. Do you want to take this first, and then no, I'll it's in? your show, buddy. I'm, I'm here. I am here to serve at your leisure. Uh,
0: Taylor uh, Taylor one doesn't have to be the top left tackle or top five or top ten anymore. He just needs to be a healthy guy who plays every week and and plays at a. Just a good starter caliber i think that i don't think they're expecting him to be the guy that wore the boss hog suit anymore and got paid all those millions he hasn't been that guy but he can be a guy who's a really
1: good player for you every week but i don't think I, there's I think... a
2: reason he can't be a top 10 left tackle do you think that's now no. out of the realm of possibility no
1: he's i mean he's because... not he's not like old he's 31 no, right he's, no he's...
2: i think they need him to be a top ten. i think that's too generous mick i think they need him to be a top 10 left.
1: agreed tackle. I, I, I'm I inclined to agree with that because it frees you up so much, Mick. Again, I come back to the third down situations where they're having to keep extra guys in a block as, as opposed to letting them go as receivers. And you're losing the numbers battle right out the gate to the defense because you know that you have to keep in that extra help to chip. They have to be able to let Taylor win individually, one-on-one, the way that he is hugely capable of. Last year, he was average to below average by any kind of metric that is studied around offensive line. Um and while his his paycheck or his salary, I know people still cite it. It's it is it is that by the way of an average NFL offensive tackle. It is now at this point in the way that the the market has inflated around offensive linemen, but yes, he needs to be substantially better. Not just for them, but for him, if he wants to continue to play here, it can't look like that anymore.
2: It, it does make me think, Mick, too, about the discussion that we had about the defensive line. If you want to sign Jeffrey Simmons to twenty two million a year and have four extremely expensive, albeit very good players on the defensive line. How much money can you spend on the offensive line? You need Luan to continue to succeed under his contract. You need Dave Davis to be good. You probably need one of these two guys who we don't know who's going to start, probably Brewer and Raidens to be pretty freaking good. Because there's, I don't see much flexibility forthcoming there.
0: You don't think Jamarco Jones Unless be you're an just going to
2: do it through the draft. I'm I, I, I'm just saying if it doesn't work out that well this year.
0: Well, and the nutty thing is, it's not like they haven't spent a lot of draft capital. You know, the Panda draft capital well, didn't work. That's and the it, problem they're it, chasing. Raiden's draft capital hasn't really worked. And they've had... Blaine wanted to talk about this one day this summer. We did most underrated Titans. And two of the guys that I pulled out were linemen who started like 120-plus games who were fourth and fifth and sixth-round picks. Benji Olsen David and big Stewart. country, yes.
3: Yeah.
0: Well, I mean... What about Nicholas Petit-Freer? Michael Roos. It's a third-round pick. I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Teams have guys who are picked at that level who become stars. Well, I don't even think we've said his name other than he got drafted by the team, and he's a fun interview. Do you well, have a read
2: on how the team sees him coming into training camp? Like tackle. He other? can't
1: play inside. Yeah. He can't play inside. That's that. And that, that's that's not something that just from like people you talk to on the Titan staff, that's something coming out of Ohio State, that's something you talk to coaches around the league about like there are there are he has ability and he can play both sides which makes him an asset but there are fundamental things and basically his technique is not indicative of somebody like dennis kelly who started on the inside and then eventually moved out to tackle even though he is more a prototypical tackle size that's not that's not who petite frere is do you like um i mean we all like versatility of Traylon burks do you
0: like Traylon burks as a punt returner That scares me to death. I would, I would roast
1: them. (laughs) I would, I would roast them the way that we went at them. I didn't have a radio show yet, but certainly I was vocal about it in 2019 when they continued to put a dory back there to return punts until that wretched, wretched, rain-soaked Jacksonville game. that We needed windshield wipers, basically, in the press box to see how many times Calais Campbell was rag Marcus Mariota in his teeth like a dog with a toy. Um, it took until that moment for Mike Vrabel, a muffed punt, which basically lost them the game for as poorly as they played, uh, to make that, to pull the trigger on that. If they put their one of their most important assets of the 2022 season out there, um, to return punts when Kyle Phillips is so much clearly and obviously better at what that job requires, then yes, I have significant questions. But I don't. I mean, I, I think it's just about. I think it's just about general, like multi sport. You know how you talk about multi sport training among kids who are younger. Like I think it's just multi dimensional training that they can provide at a time when it's not that critical. Where where. Training camp is important, obviously, but like it's okay if you work on some hand eye coordination drills with Traylon Burks by having him field punts. Like, sure. I think that's more and what this is. Maybe in a
2: pinch you throw him back there if Hellfreeze is over. Well, I yeah, agree. It's like
1: Gronk and I mean, coverage from something, oh, Something's yeah. gone wrong. <laughs> yes, that's fair.
0: Something has gone back wrong back if that happens. Well, people, a couple people are getting me pretty good about LaWan. I'm not saying he can be bad and they can be good. I'm saying if he's top 15, he, I don't think he necessarily has to be, but. T- if you ask me, do I think if he's fully healthy? Because he he looks like he's dropped some weight to me.
1: He gave up social media. I know he did an interview. He keeps harassing me at training camp about how, well, how good his conditioning is. So he we damn well better be in good condition when if, I see him. He is running
0: to finish every drill. He's running from drill to drill because they blew the whistle early on a drill. And he ran to the next drill. And they were like, no, go back, go back. And he goes, I just ran this far for nothing. But... He seems to be a guy who is fully engaged, is doing all these things that help prolong your career and help you get to a certain level. So do I believe he can be top 10 this year? Absolutely.
2: And I think he needs to be because you're looking at a guy whose athleticism was elite at the position. He's 31. That I'm 31. It's not left me entirely yet. It doesn't leave most 31-year-olds. up. And he's a lot more athletic than I am. It's a shame to even be compared to him. So I think that the expectation is for him to be like Buck said, it you can't have to help. No, if you have to help, why? Why? You, Austin Hooper is. Uh, you could have had Jeff Swain help.
1: I uh, I talk a lot of trash to LeJuan. I'm not worried about him. I I think he's going to be fine. As as much as as much as I like to rib him, I think he's going to be fine. Well, we think you're going to be fine,
0: and Buck, we think your weekend starts now.
1: No oh, hell no. What do you mean? I got practice 8-1 to tomorrow, Mick? What do you think? I don't know. Weekends? Your, your Friday night starts weekends? now. Your Friday night starts
0: now. Not until next June, baby. That's true for Thanks, all boys. of us. All right, Buck Rising. Thanks again. for hanging forward Ford making that happen. Uh, what happened at practice today? We'll get into that next. A, a surprise guy who I think had a really good day. I'll share that next. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone, Alex Apple, hanging out on a Friday for the hit man, Lucas Panzica hanging out in the studio, Brett Bachelor producing. You can join the discussion if you want to. Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline is open, 615-737-1045. We will call our shot for the final segment of today's show, so be thinking about a shot that you want to call. It could be Titans-related. Maybe you got Titans-related. Maybe you're going to say Chigo Conquo is going to catch... Sixty passes this year. What about that? Or Ryan Tannehill's going to throw for four thousand yards or something? You want to put something like that <laughs> in the zone TV check? Go ahead. Also, we got a little game we're going to play in the next hour. We're going to play either or. Like, which one of these things do you think is a better chance of happening? We had a little text string going yesterday, and I think some of them are really good. I think all of them are really good. So, I, we, what's I, your thoughts on that?
2: sort of along that line, how, how would you just, des- and I thought Chig was really good, uh, appreciated the time he gave us earlier in the hour. If you missed that, you can rewind the stream or it'll probably be out on your podcast feeds eventually. How do you define a good season for Chig? I mean, it is very rare that a tight end comes and puts up um, big numbers in a rookie season. Uh, john o. Smith's rookie season, uh, go back and look at those stats. It takes some time to adjust. Chig was not a first-round draft pick. He was not a complete prospect coming out. He's a good prospect, but it's probably going to take him some time to adjust. The point of my saying that is, how would you define a good season for him? You've been out there for three days. It's early. But your expectation has been calibrated to what so far?
0: His speed is really something to watch. And I think that's the thing that we were all so focused on it was like, gosh, this guy's fast. Gosh, this guy's fast. He was fast at the combine. I mean, he's like football fast. You know, he was running away from his guy and OTAs. So the question is always like, okay, when the pads come on, what does he look like? Well, that's going to happen Monday. Very well said that today that the pads will come on Monday. Um, I think for him, it's just obviously tight ends here have to block. He's going to have to block. You, you ask him about this, you know, what's the hardest thing for you to pick up so far and he said well I've always been able to run routes, so for me i'm gonna i'm gonna keep working more on the blocking I, I'm like paraphrasing, blocking. but it was work harder on the blocking the r- running routes thing has always come more natural to him he said what would be successful for him i mean if he got forty something balls,
2: oh, that'd be a huge season
0: if he got forty balls i mean
2: that that would be that, that is over double what Johnu Smith caught at 18 passes his rookie season.
0: Now, she came from a, a bigger program at Maryland than Who did at FIU. Yeah. And I'm not knocking FIU because my team was in the same conference with them for probably most of Who's years, if not all. Um, but she came from Maryland, obviously playing, you know, th- th- at the highest level. Maybe that makes some kind of a difference Uh he, it, Gosh, boy, John who had some speed and every physical attribute. Same as Chig. They're just both unbelievable physical specimens. Chig already seems to have some chemistry with, with Tannehill.
2: But I think the number of routes that he is going to get to run, because you can't you can't only bring a tight end on the field and, and telegraph you're going to pass him, Sure. Unless it's third and 12 and everybody already knows you're passing. Right. The knock on him as a prospect... And the weird thing that you know is a metric that a lot of these draft guys look at is arm length. That his yeah. arms are too short to be a great inline blocker right off the bat. How well and with Mike Vrabel, I think this is a given. How well he can block will determine how many opportunities he even gets. He'd have to have a lot of opportunities to catch forty. I, I mean, I, you can give me forty right now. I would be tickled pink because that probably means you almost got a hundred catches from your tight ends.
0: I'll say this. I, if you can't if you can't block for Vrabel, you certainly won't play much. That's a great point. I oh, how do I say this? I think the tight ends will be deployed in a lot of ways. How about that? I think I, I think there'll be times you look up and go, "Oh, wait, that's a tight end right there." Mm-hmm. How about that? I can. I feel like well, I can say it that way. So, are you
2: foreshadowing some variety and creativity that a lot of people have pined for from Todd Dunn?
0: I'm. 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 I'm saying that could be a thing that happens this year, and I'm yeah. saying everybody needs to get used to seeing a lot of tight ends. Uh, I mentioned a player who stood out for me today, and I mentioned his name, and somebody in the hallway said, "Okay, but," I mean, how important is that? Cody Hollister had a fantastic day today. He's a big guy. He's fast. He runs the right routes. He knows everything about the offense. He and Ryan Tannehill have chemistry. Chemistry? Heck, he's been around here for years. Now he's never really broken through, but he's the guy that's probably going to be on the practice squad if he passes through again. I would say if you had to make me bet, is he going to be on the roster of practice? I'd say practice squad. But here's the other thing I would say: remember he started games last year, like came off In the New break. England, yes. Yeah. Longest tenured receiver the It's the longest on, tenured on the receiver
2: that they have. <laughs> you know who he reminds me of? And Vrabel mentioned this today. Nobody studies more than Logan Woodside. He's beat out everybody else that we had. Buck swore last year that Kaiser was way better than Woodside. And Woodside still beats him out. He beats out Matt I Barclay. thought Matt Barkley would be I Hollister is a, is a classroom guy. I'm sure they can just trust him. That being said, if he makes the team, that's a negative. I, I love the guy. The guy's probably the nicest guy in the world. I don't know. But if he makes the team, your wide receiver potential is limited in a way because he just is what he is.
0: Six four two sixteen. he can play special teams, he can do all that stuff. And, you, and it's funny, when you go to an NFL training camp, you're always looking to see, like, okay, I'm going to write this down in my notes. This guy had a good day. Or, you know, Christian Fulton had a PBU, had a couple of interference calls. They were doing some individuals, and he had back-to-back plays where you could have called him for interference. So there's always things you're kind of writing down and, like, Hollister was coming in and out of breaks and was catching. He caught a ball in traffic today from Malik Willis. They were doing one on ones, and he was tied up with the DB and like the DB had his jersey pulling one yeah, way, that and was he, a good move. he was yeah. so strong he pulled away from him and caught the ball, and it was just a bullet by Malik Willis, like right on him. And it's like he may be in one of those bad positions where honestly it doesn't matter what he does. There may just not be a, a spot for him on this team, but if they had their druthers, he's going to be around.
2: Yeah, you'd, love, I think they'd like to keep him on the practice squad. Ideally, you just have a more talented guy. Have yeah. either of you guys noticed Josh, I'm just kind of thinking about this. I haven't paid enough attention. Have you guys noticed Josh Malone making any plays less? I was going to so say, less?
0: what you're saying about Cody Hollister. If he makes the team, it probably is because a guy like Josh Malone has a big drop off or somebody gets hurt. Or Ray
2: or, C. McMath is just a total zero. Yeah, just like, doesn't bring Ray enough C. McMath value.
0: ran across the middle of the day and dropped one, hit him in the hands. Then later he caught one. Just on a go.
2: That's Racy McMahon. That he
0: caught right-handed, yeah. one-handed with the guy Isn't, holding onto to the other side of his body, forty-five yards essence. down the field from Tannehill, and he dropped one over the middle to hit him in the hands. So, I mean, is he a good special teamer? Yeah, that's you know kind of why he was around. He's
2: probably be the gunner. But what about Malone?
0: I trust Cody Holster much more to play wide receiver than Racy McMahon. Jimmy Wyatt did yeah. point out in his day three observations today one nice one-handed snag from Josh Malone today, for what it's worth.
2: If Racy McMath or Cody Hollister are on the field,
0: bad that's things not have,
2: a good thing for bad, the Titans.
0: Bad things That's that why
2: they need more depth. It bad, looked like that at times last times year, time and and, it wasn't and, they, good. and they
0: were on the field last year, and yeah. that's one of the reasons why the offense looked like it
2: did. I will say, Racy McMath has a speed element that you could see him finding a niche, right? The, the guy is an absolute physical freak. He didn't catch many passes at LSU. He hasn't caught many passes in his rookie year with the Titans because he's never quite put it all together. But well, I could—that's the only caveat. I'll say I could see him finding a niche in certain packages.
0: The other guy that everybody loves and they're going to love again because he's going to play a lot in training in, in, in the preseason games is Mason Kinsey. And Titans fans are going to lose their mind over Mason. There's Kinsey. One
2: small receiver that every Titans fan loves every year.
0: And and I like the underdogs as much as anybody. I mean, I'll tell you my story sometime if you don't know it. I consider myself the underest of underdogs. Uh, so I, I you know the Khalif Raymonds of the world and all these guys are people that I that I root for. I want them to get their chance and and do the most with their chance. Like what are you going to do with Mason Kinsey? Where, I mean, you have so many guys that can already play in the slot. You ever, you know. How many how what percent of Traylon Burks's routes were in the slots? Like, no, nah, I don't think he's gonna run a lot of slots. Maybe for mismatch purposes, but he's an outside guy yeah. in the NFL. Well, but Robert Woods can probably be a guy that you put in the slot. And you drafted Kyle Phillips to be your slot receiver. A lot of these guys punts.
2: are playing for spots on another roster.
0: Yeah. Well, and this maybe this is a year that something like that would happen for Hollister or it would happen for Mason Kinsey, where a team that's just really I mean like really bereft of wide receiver
2: it's not that good talent it's not or injuries
0: and, and those guys get to come in and Kinsey gets a shot at somebody's punt returner and you know a shot at being like the number two slot guy. Both of those guys are gonna have good days in camp because they know the offense because they've been here so long. Like both of those guys are gonna look good and they're gonna be going against threes and fours. Well, if somebody just got here and he's a four and he's an undrafted rookie and I've been here like three years, I'd roast that sucker every day in practice. So just every day of training camp practice is kind of its own story. All right. We got a little game that we're going to play. Going to do some either or coming up next. Which one of those things do you feel the best about? We need to tweet these out too and get some responses. We'll get
2: some, we'll probably get some chatter on.
0: All right. We'll get on our Twitter uh, at Blaine and Mickey and we'll ask you either or which of these things do you feel better about next Titans training camp and Titans talk rolls on on Blaine and Mickey.